Hey, hey everyone, welcome back to the Phil Drysdale Show. I'm excited to be here. We have another great episode ahead of us. We're gonna talk with Sam Devis, my friend here in the UK. He is behind the podcast and blog, When Belief Dies. And uh, we're gonna have a great conversation. We're gonna talk about a whole host of different things, his own journey, um, consciousness, and a whole bunch of other different bits and pieces. Um, we were planning to have your episode on why you deconstructed. Um, I've been collecting recordings from everyone um, about their stories of why they deconstructed. And unfortunately, it's just such a big undertaking. I've got about 50 different recordings. In fact, I've got more than that, but I'm having to cut down uh, quite a few um, of, of different people's stories of why they deconstructed. And I was really looking forward to putting that together and hopefully getting that out to you this week. It probably looks like it's going to be next week at this point. Um, I... I, I vastly underestimated how much work that would be especially with um, no particular um, audio technology skills that I clearly don't have Um, and so yeah you'll have to wait for that for another week Um, but I am working on it it is coming Um, but today we've got a real treat with Sam I'm really excited before we get started as always check out the deconstructionnetwork.com if you're deconstructing and want to try and connect with other people that are deconstructing in your local area it's a completely free resource um, and really helpful if you are going through deconstruction and feel isolated lonely um, just a bit disconnected from community and, and, and all the stuff like that that can occur when we go through deconstruction our friends family um, our community can really um, uh, kind of create a bit of a distance once they realize that we're not in the same place or maybe we need to create a bit of distance once we realize we're not in the same place either way having people in your local area that kind of get what you're going through they are, have gone through similar things or are going through similar things can be a real lifeline and so check out the deconstructionnetwork.com if you want to support what i'm doing all the different resources i create the deconstruction network um the podcasts, the different videos and audio messages that help people in their deconstruction journey, my talking with people hours on end every day about helping them to deconstruct, all that stuff is completely free. If you want to support what I'm doing, you can do that at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Um, that makes a huge difference. It helps me pay the bills. It helps me be able to do this full time and not ask for money and charge for something that I really believe should be free. Something that I really believe is important and, and valuable work, helping people go through this painful and complex process of deconstruction. And so um, if you believe in that as well and would like to support what I'm doing, um, that would make a great deal of difference to me. It really does mean the world. Um, there's never any need to give, but it does make a huge difference to just taking a bit of weight off the week to week so that I can focus on helping people and making these resources as a thank you. You get access to our private discussion community. We do regular Zooms and, and voice chats and we talk all day, every day over on Discord. And so it'd be lovely to see you in that community as well. It's a, a beautiful, intimate um, and very uh, liberating community where we talk about all sorts of different things surrounding deconstruction and then beyond. Um, and so, yeah, it would be great to see you in there if, if you do want to, to join. All right. Let's dive into the conversation with Sam Devis. How are you? You doing all right? Yeah, I think so. Tired. I've just finished for Easter, so I'm um yeah, I'm oh, definitely in that try and chill out mode now, which is which is nice. I'm doing I'm re- basically I, I I record um you've heard of Bart Ehrman, right? Um yeah. he's yeah, yeah, the well known New Testament scholar. Um I record some of his blog posts so um a guy called john paul middleworth and me both record like five um, and then we kind of go in by 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 weekly cycles so every two weeks we, we do like a week's worth of blog blog posts that we audio record so that's this afternoon's gig is to basically try and try and go through all of those so um oh, yeah, it should nice. be good should be good 
Oh, it's really interesting. I like that. That's cool. How did you get into that? Um, I basically, so I, I ended up getting this microphone set up um, just for the podcast, knowing that the kind of first few episodes are just terrible with their audio. And I, I'm a really big fan of good audio where, where it's possible. I mean, I've got loads to learn and stuff, but um, basically I just emailed them saying, hey, you know, if you ever want someone to do any of the older blog posts or you were able to kind of help out with anything, just let me know and I can try and do what I can. Um, and then one of the guys who was doing it with um, John Paul um, ended up having to drop off for some unknown reason. And they were like, right. step in for a bit. And was like, okay, well, here's like an, an, an example of what I could do. And they're like, fantastic. We, 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 we love your English accents. So I was like, okay. Yeah, um, that'll do it with the Americans, right? They just yeah, thought, yeah. oh my God, English accent. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just reading words on, on this screen. That's all I'm doing. But, um, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's, it's good fun. And I'm learning tons, like, absolutely tons about the early church and stuff which is just yeah blowing my mind a bit but that's good do, do you enjoy that even though that maybe you don't have as strong a tie to christianity anymore yeah i mean so i when I, so i went to bible college and i did my dissertation on on a person called arius and the sort of arian controversy um, around sort of who he was saying that jesus was and and wasn't essentially um which i i kind of Interestingly, now when I look back at my dissertation, I realized there was lots more that I could have written about that I, that I now know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always found that stuff really, really fascinating. And right. <clears throat> and yeah, just definitely enjoying um, learning about, um, yeah, how Christianity became what it is today, what, what, what like the proto-Orthodox viewpoints were and how they became the Orthodox viewpoints and what other voices were in the Christian circles and all those oh. sorts of things. So apologies for my voice, it will, it will settle down. <clears throat> oh, you're fine. It's, mor it's morning, isn't it? It's early. We're just kind of waking up. I don't know about you, but I am just waking up. You've got a kid. There's no way you're just waking up. I, I did the dumb thing of going for a run an hour before this. I think my body's just like, what have you done to me? Why? So I'm just trying to overcome that, I think, a little bit. But uh, yeah. Uh, so hope I don't give you too much envy as I, I rolled out of bed like half an hour ago, jumped in the shower, and here I am. So living my best child-free life. Now, one day, maybe you'll be blessed and cursed. That'll be quite the opposite. Yeah, I'm sure at some point it'll go very downhill very quickly as far as my uh, sleep schedule. Especially because I have to stay up till two or three in the morning most nights to, to be talking in America. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll probably have some interesting navigation there of uh, uh, shift work. Who knows? <laughs> Might yeah. be recording podcasts with a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just like baby bouncing in the background as you're recording it. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I've just got this kid with me all the time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, you do what you have to do. I think um, yeah, most people are fairly forgiving on the whole. Um, but yeah. Oh, cool. So t tell us a bit about yourself, Sam, because um, most people listening to this probably, um, I mean, most people listening to this know me. They know a few other people, but they're not aware of everyone and anyone probably not come across your podcast i think we've given a shout out to your podcast before on my um instagram although actually have, have the podcasts that i've been on on yours come out yet no so that's the that's the oh. really big thing so I'm, I'm kind of got this this big oh i'm trying to build a basically a 20 week backlog I'm, I'm doing a master's and um in january it's, i'm starting my dissertation so basically that's for 20 weeks i want to just not think about anything but that um right. so i think your our first episode we did which was a few months ago now is going to be released in i think i counted before we started uh, four weeks uh, basically um so yeah by the time this goes live i don't know when that'll be maybe it'll be out or just about to be out um but i mean i'm, I'm really happy to share links with your listeners um so if you want to yeah, put those, description, those two episodes they can they can look at those they'll be unlisted on youtube but they can still check them out for sure yeah so just a quick um technical point i'm hearing myself occasionally 
bouncing back? Am I coming out of anything other than your headphones? You shouldn't be. That's a really good question. If I look at my settings. Sound. I just got a little echo every now and again. So there I heard it. <laughs> yeah. I... Not that I can tell. From, from what I can see, there's just this and then there's this. So I'd be really surprised if this is so loud it's coming back into this. But um, could it be Zoom? Is it worth kind of cancelling and restarting the Zoom call and seeing if that fixes um... it? Could be, but I don't think it is. I, I actually had this um, last time when I was on your podcast. I noticed a couple of times. It's not common. It's not a lot. But every now and again, when I talk, I'm hearing myself um, back. So I'm not sure. It, we, it should be fine anyway. I'm sure people can uh, grin and bear it if it does uh, happen a few times here and there. I just thought it might be an obvious one somewhere. Yeah, no, that's weird. Somewhere. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Let's, let's roll. Um, where are we? Yeah, yeah. So like, let, let's talk about... Tell us about yourself. Who are you? So you went to Bible college. Um, did you grow up Christian? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great, great question. Um, so yes, I was born and raised into a Christian household. Um, so my parents very much um, still Christians. I've got two brothers who, as far as I'm aware, are still Christians. Um, people don't like talking about that sort of stuff anymore. So I, it, it's, it's hard to know sometimes where somebody is um, on their journey. But um, yeah, so my my parents used to kind of read the Bible to me and my brothers um, on, a, on an evening and talk about God and talk about, um, you know, what it means to believe in this person of Jesus and, and very much kind of um, in, embedded that into us from a very young age. Um, kind of looking back on that now, I've got some some questions about it, but very aware that from their perspective, it was just out of love and out of a yeah. desire for, for me to know the truth, like what, what they conceived to be the, the, the true message. Um, so yeah, and then basically, um, long story short, I ended up um, kind of stepping away from Christianity for a little bit, still believing in God very much, believing he's real, but saying, this isn't for me. And I want to go and do what I want to go do. So kind of, you know, drugs, sleeping around, the kind of standard like teenagery things um and then uh, a really close friend of mine died and that kind of brought up loads of questions of purpose and meaning and kind of you know had mm. they had the best life they could have had doing these things when they could have been following god in some sort of other way and yeah it's basically just um, asked loads of really big existential questions which then focused me back in onto a look at okay so how do I begin to become a Christian again and actually engage with this God that I believe to be real? Um, so I ended up going to Bible college, as I, I mentioned before. Um, so that was 2010, 2013. It was a Bible college called Mattersea Hall, yeah. which is, um, I, I think they've actually moved it now over, over to Manchester. But um, it, it, it was originally um, in a place called Mattersea, which is a really, really small village um, quite near um, Doncaster sort of area. Um, so I like Retford, Doncaster, like fairly well-known little, little area. Um, so yeah, basically I was there for three years doing a biblical studies and theology degree. So just looking at the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, early church and um, how those things are important today. And then essentially weave this narrative into my life, which was teaching God's people his word. So I wanted to help people to understand how the Bible was applicable today and how we can understand it and, and know God through it so that that can be us living in the fullness of God's message, essentially. Mm. Um, so yeah, basically ended up um, pursuing that for a long time. Um, I left Bible college, got married, um, ended up um, not working for a year with depression. Um, just do, just again, due to this idea that, you know, I, I should be in a church leading something or not because I wanted to be a leader, but because I wanted to help people. Like I really believed that I was called to minister. Um, and then kind of found that in, in kind of smaller settings, like, um, you know, a bit, a bit like Star Start, this sort of like um, small group 
kind of thing that was attached to the church and then um, involved leading a few small groups and then kind of came back to doing youth work and then a few other bits and bobs around around the place um and yeah it basically ended up coming to a position where um i began asking questions about god and about humanity and and what and what humanity's story really is so um i'm just gonna keep going apologies feel free to stop no, it's good i this is the podcast of big long monologues back and forth so my questions take half an hour to get out and so the guests have a good half an hour to answer them uh <laughs> cool um okay so basically i am um, in 2015 yeah 2015 i um basically got a slip disc in my lower back and mm. uh, was in severe amount of pain and i was asking the question why am i in this pain like i um, I had a little boy who wanted to go running um, and I play around and stuff and I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't play with him. My wife was pregnant with our second. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I'm not being, not being everything that I could be. And I want to know why that is. So I began to look at, you know, at this point, I still believe Jesus was real and all that sort of stuff. But I started to look at the origins of humanity. Like, how did we come about? What, what, why do we experience pain the way we do? What is a slip disc? How does that function in evolutionary um, to our kind of makeup, essentially? So... Mm. Um, read a book called Sapiens, which you know is, is a really good book, and there's some flaws with it for sure, and it's not perfect or anything like that. Like it's not the new Bible, but it, it kind of opened up this idea that humans tell stories to make sense of the world. We are definitely story creating, uh, or we're, we, are, we are meaning seeking creatures. And you know, if we kind of have someone who dies in our family, or we we have a, a, a new birth into the family, we will create and attribute meaning to those events. Um, and not that they aren't meaningful, for sure they are, but actually it's us imbuing it with meaning rather than it having this sort of um, objective meaning that is saying like this, this is true. So that really rocked me for a little bit. And I began to at that point go, okay, well, I can understand how, how this God thing could become a bit of a question. And um, oh. kind of went to the elders of my church with that kind of said, hey, look, I don't really know what I believe anymore. What do you think I should do? How do I overcome these these doubts that are beginning to kind of boil away at the bottom of my, of, of, of my consciousness? And uh, they basically kind of said to me, you need to get more involved with church. You need to jump in harder um oh, this is this is on reflection um this, this sort of things they, they were saying uh, with probably different words but basically do more and you'll experience god so i ended up um this was in leeds ended up moving over to halifax where i am now we're, we're actually living but ended up moving over just to help out with the church plants so every sunday my wife and my two boys and i would all drive over to help out of this church plant and then eventually felt called or felt like we should move over to this church because we were beginning to love the people who were there and i wanted to kind of help them to again kind of understand god's word a bit more and, and really understand how that can affect their lives today um so moved over here in 2018 yeah october 2018 and then um yeah about a year and a half after that the end the end of 2020 um stepped down essentially sorry the end of 2019 stepped down from church leadership um and then have been kind of blogging and podcasting that story um for a while now so the blog's been going for about a year and a half and the podcast has been going about nine months and it's just um a way of me the, pod, uh, the podcast is a way of me asking questions and having deep conversations and the blog is a way of me working things through asking loads of questions not really having any answers and trying to express it as, as honestly as i can and that's the mm. whole journey that's right from the I've just read Sapiens. I don't know what I should do. That's when I started blogging. Um, so I've got loads and loads of blog posts in the pipeline that I, I, I've, I basically write probably two a week and release one a week. So there will be a time when I'll stop writing okay. and just release. Um, but it, it covers the entire story, which I think a lot of people have found very helpful because it's very, very raw and very honest, which is, mm. is good um, and bad, but, but mainly good, I think. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's a bit of my story for you. 
Yeah, gosh, it's a it's a lot. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot in that, and and I'm sure many people will um, resonate with that. Like, I mean, it's it's the story that most of us here have navigated in one way, shape, or form of being a a passionate on fire Christian, loving the Word of God, thinking that that's the way that you know, like we learn to love God better and and learn to be a good Christian and and all of that, and and wanting to help other people, you know, dive into that and experience the the great things that we've experienced growing up and um and and then bit by bit the 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 little chips here and there that you start to go but yeah it's weird though that god like loves us and we're good and and we've like overcome the 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 sin of the fall but i still have back pain surely that would be overcome as well or you know or surely god wants me to be able to play with my kid or or other things right start questioning or you read a book and you go god that's a different narrative on how things started and you ask your pastor and oh well you know just you just get more more involved in church more involved in christianity you stop asking those questions don't read any books other than christian books you'll be fine you know or something like that but once you've had that slight little bit of the lens peeled back that a lot of that might seem normal but part of you goes "Ah, that's a kind of weird answer really (laughs) don't ask questions don't don't look at that look over here um that's not really an answer, is it? That's just a complete avoidance of the answer or whatever. Um, and so it's just really interesting, these kind of components. I, I'm intrigued. You mentioned at one point, you know, you talked about your family. And, and if, if you don't feel comfortable talking about that too much, um, that's fine as well. But you mentioned, you know, like, oh, we don't really talk about um, faith, Christianity, where we're at and things like that. It's right at the beginning. I'm, I'm jumping right back. Um, do you mean that's a that's a, a dynamic within your family you generally haven't really ever talked about where you are or is it more because as you've kind of come out as being in a different position that's become a bit awkward so they're like well, we don't really want to hear it like or, or what's what's going on there how is how is your um how is your relationship with your family changed because i imagine as you're doing all these amazing things i mean your parents with the best intentions are like we want to read the bible to these kids we want them to grow up with christians you pursuing kind of ministry outlets and teaching people and planting a church must have been the best thing ever for them right that's that's a sign that they've succeeded that they've done well that you're on the right track and i can imagine um the path that you're on now in the last couple of years is maybe a very different signal to them and and might have brought up some other emotions and thoughts and feelings and maybe tensions and stuff can you can you talk a bit about that yeah sure so um Basically, I I talk to my parents actually quite regularly about belief. Um, it's it's always um, attributed to kind of what Christianity is. So I'm never being critical of Christianity. I'm often being critical of um, Christians, to be fair with you, um, and kind of how they have expressed themselves, especially since I've stepped away. Actually, so this is definitely definitely all linked together. Um, the, the 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 way I view it is. Um, essentially my parents very much believe that I'm on a journey and they'll still say that I'm well yeah they'll still say that they're proud of me for having the conversations I'm having and, and asking these things but it's always framed in a you know when you come back to a faith in God um you will have a different understanding of what Christianity is and therefore you'll be able to reach different people with this message in a more effective way for people like you Sam who've kind of gone through this sort of doubt and, and you know, always very much um I wonder what church will be like for you, Sam. I wonder how you'll lead in that sort of setting. I wonder how you'll begin to get people around you again and and, and help people to understand faith. Um, <clears throat> it's it's it, it's a really interesting one. And I think you know I've got two brothers who um, are probably very aware that I've gone through stuff, though I haven't overtly told them because um, 
they don't ever talk about faith anymore. So when I was very much mm. on, fire, on fire for God, whatever language you want to use, it was always like, how's church going? How's leadership? How, how, how are things going with the people that you're supporting at the moment? And I'd you know, have honest conversations with it. And then um, when I did eventually tell my parents, which was probably a good, basically about a year ago now, that I'd you know, properly stepped down from church and, and didn't believe in, in Jesus and et cetera, et cetera. Um, at least Jesus in the way that they believe in Jesus. Sure. Um, basically they, they were kind of like, we already kind of knew like the sort of things you were talking about, the way you were talking, um, the sort of kind of, um, yeah, the different outlets that, that you were kind of coming to us on um, have changed. Like before it would be, hey, this is happening. We mind praying for it. Cheers, Sam. And where, whereas now it's, hey, this is going on just so you're aware. Cheers, Sam. So kind of dropping that sort of Christian language, which for me just felt completely natural. But for those within it, they're very much aware of those ties and tensions. They're like, mm. well, Sam, for the last six months haven't, hasn't mentioned prayer. Something must be going on here. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't talk to my parents that much about it. I talk to them probably once a month, um, about it for kind of 20 minutes or so. It's, it's not like a really in-depth thing we have. And it's, it's, it's much more about, um, how are you doing? How's the podcast going? How's the blog going? Um, are, are you doing okay yourself? Um, mm. cause I have this, this tendency to link purpose to a tangible things. So, um, or maybe not purpose, maybe meaning to tangible things. So like if, if I release an episode of the podcast, it doesn't do as well as it could have, or, um, I don't feel like it was as good a conversation as it could have had. I will kind of very much attribute my, my worth to that thing. Um, and I need to learn to not do that so much. That's always been the way that I've, I've, I've handled these things in, interestingly. So, um, I kind of talked to them about that element as well of how I can become, keep doing these things, but stepping back a little bit and being aware that I'm not caught up in those things which they're, they're really mm. good to help me work through but yeah I mean, even even close friends have fallen by the wayside like they aren't they aren't reaching out and i just find it really interesting so like i've got you know a personal facebook page and every now and then i'll post something really not overtly non-christian but like hey this is a conversation i had with seth andrews or his conversation i had with whoever um let me know what you think it took a long time to edit or you know it took a lot of work to get them on i really appreciate your feedback i won't hear anything from anyone in any public forum but then privately on facebook messenger i get like 15 messages from people going i'm going through the same thing i've got this same doubts these same mm. questions i don't know i don't know how to talk to people and I, I kind of feel like there's this weird chamber that we're all in where we're we're unable to express what we're going through in a loving, open and honest way and expect yeah. to be supported. Um, you know, I was, I sent out a tweet a, a, a little while ago, just reflecting on the difference between the support that I got when I was a leader at church here in Halifax and the support that the, the other church leader got when, 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 when I left Christianity and essentially I got nothing. So I was, I was, I was going to become an elder within the new frontiers sphere at this church in Halifax. And I was already a leader within that. Um, and, you know, they were talking to me like, hey, hey, can we meet up again? It'd be really good to talk through kind of eldership with you and, and what that means now you're going to be kind of included within our unit. Um, and the people over in the church in Elise that sent us over to Halifax we were talking about meeting up and even the people in Halifax were like, we're supporting you, we're behind you, we'll pray for your kids, we'll, we'll look after you guys, it's all okay. And then I kind of stepped away and every single like conversation went dead. Like I didn't hear from my church leader for three months. No, wow. like, no one leads to anything. In fact, the, the only thing I ever found out from them was they told somebody who met up with my wife before the whole COVID thing hit um, and said, just be really careful because Sam has walked away from God actually. So just Sam's wife might be in a bad position. So you just need to be aware that when you meet up with them, that they're in that sort of place. I'm like, it's weird that they're telling people, uh, the everyday person in church, that Sam at this other church has stepped away. So therefore his wife might be like almost dangerous or something. It was just so bizarre. And like Kirsty's still a Christian. She still believes all that sort of stuff. So it's just a weird situation. So um, it, it, it's essentially all those kind of phone lines to those people went dead and there's been nothing there. And then I was working at a Christian charity um, 
which I left in January 2020 uh, here in here in in well it was actually in Bradford but I mean a very kind of vibrant Christian charity that does a lot of great kind of work with poverty and um, stepped away from that obviously to start a new job because I needed to get out of that Christian bubble because I didn't believe and it wasn't fair that I was there um, and again it's just been really interesting to see those that I was journeying doubt with at the time have very much kind of gone back to a belief in God for the for the for the main part there are still a few at this charity who don't believe and they're kind of working that through but um they kind of say oh no I believe now I don't need to talk to you anymore thanks it, it was really helpful at the time but there's no like there's like there's no desire from anybody at that place to reach mm. out and work things through so it's it's very much like kind of alone in that situation so I'm, I'm aware you were asking about my family and I thought it's helpful to kind of share about the church and about even this massive place of work where there's like 300 and something people worked in this work in this charity and I was there for like five years so I know most of them really well um, but it's, it's there's there's nothing coming from it it's just this weird every now and then I'll get a personal message going I just listened to this episode this point was fantastic thank you yeah and they're obviously working through stuff but no one's able to have a conversation in the open it's just um it's really bizarre really bizarre yeah it's a weird one i i often think about this in that um there's there's a weird dynamic when you're producing content and you'll experience this as a blog post right or a podcast or um even social media you share something and you're like that got a lot of attention privately loads of people uh talk to me about that loads of people shared it but like privately via messages um but that like just bombed publicly no one could comment on it no one could share it on their pages or, or whatever because to do so would be the end and and so there's a really weird dynamic as you um if you're trying to you know um build something so that you can reach more people and help more people for me i'm like there's millions of people going through this i want to help as many of them as possible um because the amount of times i hear every day someone message me i'm sure you come across this as well people message you go thank god i found you like you, funny expression to use but you know i'm so thankful i found you because you're expressing what i'm going through you're bringing life to me you're helping me so much so you know you're reaching those people and you're like i want to reach more people i want more people to think oh thank goodness i finally got like something that explains what i'm going through helps and yet there's not that vira virility vir oh, don't know what the word is there um, but yeah there's not the component of it just blowing up and being shared everywhere because well, my pastor might see it, my wife might see it, my, my kids, my mom, my friends, whatever it is. And so there's a weird dynamic there when you are doing something in a public space in this space. It's, I guess it's like um, if you were doing something like um, posting material to help people that are in maybe the LGBTQ community, but they're not out yet right? They're not going to share your post, right? You know, because that would be an explosion and mom's going to like guess that I'm, you know, trans or gay or, you know, and it'll blow up. And, 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 it, and it really is on some level, so many people are living under the, under the kind of um, uh, guise of still being in some way, shape or Christian, um, that there is this kind of secrecy around kind of this process. And there is this kind of like behind closed doors people talk about it P people want to go oh yeah no, i'm going through this how, like what do you recommend or, or how do i go through this but no one's really having those public space conversations so even in a big organization like 300 people i can guarantee more than you were going through that process right and you can go yeah kind of but there's too much to lose if i'm openly seen talking to sam still like people are going to start putting things together and then maybe my job's on the line or maybe you know my friendship circles on the on the line and, and that's a really hard thing to navigate was that something that as you started this process and you started to come to terms with gosh i don't think i believe the way i used to believe um 
you know, you, you said things like, you know, what's well, not fair for me to still be in this organization. Were you aware of this component of like, there's a good chance you're just going to be cut off? Like, was that part of, or did that kind of surprise you? Like, you know, because obviously you had a lot of close friends here. Like, these, this is the weird thing, right? I mean, all of the people hearing this are like, you know, but like these people, like I lived with them for 10 years or five years, you know, like, like these aren't kind of acquaintances that cut us off, generally speaking. These are people that like we did life with, right? Most Christian phrase ever, did life with them. Um, did you expect it? Was it a shock? How, how did you navigate that? Was that like something quite painful to process? Yeah, so, so, so much in this. Um, yes, it was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. I think the only thing that was worse was the time when my wife uh, well, I spoke to her very early on about my doubts, but uh, there, there was a moment where she was kind of like, I don't know who you are anymore um, because she was having to process what this meant for us and our family. And the fact yeah. that I'd moved our entire family to Halifax to support a church that I was no longer leading or attending. So that, that was the most difficult conversation and we're, we're doing really well and stuff. So, you know, that was okay. But apart from that, um, it was, it's been the most horrific experience that I've gone through. And I've gone through some pretty horrific experiences in, in other areas of life. Um, because yeah, as, as you said, there's that classic, you know, we, we, we've done life together. There's that idea where I am a brother in Christ, these people, and the way that we've talked about our family, the things they've prayed for, the, the level of intimacy that has been generated due to the nature of the religion um, is so deep and so like instrumental to even, even my development within my job is, 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 is linked to um, my, my engagement with the charity and the cause. Like I gave my all to my job at that place because I believed in the calling. I mean, I still do. I just don't believe in the Christian element to it. Um, and it's really interesting because, you know, I, I, I then did quite well in, 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 that, in that charity and kind of you know, did, I, I work within IT and kind of like, you know, pro progressed nicely and as have subsequently moved into a different organization within IT. And it's, it's just interesting because, these people, they were like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up regularly, we'll chat, we'll do et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think with with the whole kind of um, me kind of not coming out as an atheist, but kind of going, I have these doubts and this is my journey and I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, it's it's then, I think COVID then did this thing where it just made everybody hide and kind of go, mm. okay, I need to go back to like, you know, baseline and go, what, what does this mean for my family that we can't go outside anymore or whatever? And actually people began to build up their networks and their kind of support strategies in new ways. And when you're kind of like, oh, who should I include in that? I think a lot of the time there's a lot of people you can easily leave out because it's it's a lot of work to keep those connections going. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a really good example would be, um, I've got a good friend called Dave, who is, is in the first season of the podcast because, I mean, Dave still works at this charity and he's still kind of going through these questions. Um, and, you know, with, within that conversation, it's, 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 it's very clear that kind of Dave is very far from that typical kind of evangelical Christian now. Um, but he, he's remained there and he's still trying to process what that means. But he ended up having to step away from the podcast for various reasons. Um, and actually, even that relationship has become more um, distant just because when you aren't when you aren't around a certain cause so much anymore, you begin to lose connection uh, with 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 the people who are still around that. So it's almost like you need mm. to create um, some sort of. Um, I don't know, like pin that you can then kind of stake your mask to, and you can go, well, this is actually what you're, you're masked to, and this is actually what I'm about. Because you've got a tent without any pegs, it's not going to go anywhere. But if you can start pegging yourself in and going, this is this is the tent, this is the thing that I'm, I'm about, um, you, you you can really begin to kind of get to know who else is there working in that area. And I think weirdly now, most of my friendships, most of my relationships and stuff have become online. Like I've I've 
spoken to so many people and consistently talking to people and you know even 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 the community behind the Bartoman blog um, you know I've got I've got a couple of people there that, that I would class as, as fairly good friends and we're talking about all sorts of stuff that I would never thought I would be speaking to people about like nothing to do with New Testament like just random things like culture or whatever um, and and they're Americans so it's, it's that time zone thing as well and it's just really interesting because it seems to be when you find other areas of life that you can begin going well I care about this and I care about this and I care about this you begin you can begin to get to know people in that sphere so a big one for me is like um, you know there's a there's a society down the road in Hebden Bridge I live very close to Hebden Bridge um, and they are all about foraging and you know when I'm allowed to which is not yet but one day I will go foraging with them and I can get to know them more and it's that so I, I find that fascinating I want to learn more about mm. that so I can get to basically I can get to know people that aren't going to reject me based on my kind of worldview they're going to go well actually this is about foraging and you can save politics for somewhere else down the pub afterwards or whatever um right now we're doing this and i think it, i think it, it changes but yeah i mean it was a really hard process and really painful when those that called you family and brother um no longer even talk to you and when they do it's not about any of the stuff that you've gone through it it's just about running things like hey would you mind like recommending me on linkedin or could you write me a reference or whatever it's it's never about yeah this is this has touched me can you come kind of work it through with you so um yeah, yeah. interesting it's, it's always um it's always a hi um how have you been i've not spoken to you in a while i want to talk to you about an amazing thing i've just started it's this multi-level marketing scheme i wouldn't say that but like you know it's like oh, for god's sake i thought you were actually reaching out but no you're selling me essential oils um <laughs> Or you're wanting me to sell essential oils or something, and you're like, I, I, actually, my wife has had that a couple of times, probably more so because it's quite a, um, a, a phenomenon in Christian women. Um, but she's had quite a few people from her, her old life reach out, and she's been like, oh, you'll see the first line in Facebook and going, oh, they want to talk to me, they want to connect. Like, that's so thoughtful. I've missed, like, you know, connecting with them, and they've basically cut me out. And then you read the second line and immediately they're into like, oh, this is a mass text clearly to everyone. And they want you to buy their, you know, essential oils or do some sort of like makeup like night or something. And it's just like, oh, you don't care. And it's, it's actually, that's almost worse. The kind of the spike of like, oh, someone actually cares. Oh, they don't care. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many roller coasters to, to go on as you go through this. And I wonder as well, you know, there's something... As you talk about your relationship with your parents, I think of my relationship with my family, and some of my family are deconstructed and others aren't at all. Um, there's a very big mix there. Um, but uh, it's intriguing to me the US-UK difference, and maybe we could even say US-Europe, I think. That, but the fact that the UK is now predominantly um, non-church going. They might be still mostly Christian, um, but largely that's because the census is stupid and it says, what religion are you is the first question. Like, there's not like a, do you hold to a religion? If so, what? Or anything. So you, most people are going to write a Christian, right? Like, it's just like, ah, yeah, we're Christian. Yeah, we go to church on Christmas sometimes. Um, so, but predominantly when you actually boil down the, the results, there's a huge population of agnostic, atheist, non-affiliated nuns. Um, and... I wonder if that makes Christians in this culture a little bit more comfortable not talking about faith with these people, <laughs> but talking with these people and being around these people in a way that I don't see as much in America. I feel like in America, there's this very hard line where we don't really do life with anyone that isn't a Christian. Like that's just, we don't go there because there's a very strong concept of like, well, atheists are evil or bad or whatever, which is 
fascinating like atheists have to come out and like are really scared to like let anyone know in their community they're atheists depending on you know some of the more rural communities and stuff that could be a death knell you know your business could end and things like that i mean it's really bad um whereas here like i feel like in the uk it's like oh an atheist yeah i, I know lots of atheists and they're all nice people and they're great and it's what you know i might disagree with them i might think they're crazy um but it is still amazing however just how much given that i don't know would you agree with that that's on some level, it doesn't feel as, as severe to not have faith. Like as a Christian, you probably would have gone, oh yeah, atheist, the gym, yeah, I'll work out with them every week and that's cool, I don't mind that. Would you say that's probably fair analysis? Yeah, I think so. I think it's that, it's that classic. Um, these days, most people aren't believers. And actually, if someone does say they're a Christian, you'd go, well, are you actually a Christian? <laughs> don't even believe them. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you mean by Christian? Define Christianity for me before you say that. And it's almost like you've got to make them kind of say the, the kind of, I don't know, the Nicene Creed correctly three times to actually believe that they that they know what they're talking about. So yeah, you know, walk them through the sinner's prayer just to be sure. <laughs> say it again. Say it again. Um, yeah, yeah, it's funny. That's funny. So I guess in light of that, though, I am so intrigued that we still have such a hard kind of um, just line we draw with with people that, that step out. Um, I, it feels like, you know, to me, it feels like as a, trying to think back to when I was a Christian, sorry, I just whacked my microphone. Um, thinking back to when I was a Christian, I think if I'd come across someone as atheist, I'd have them in my life and I probably would have talked to them about faith and, and their beliefs and things. And that would have been probably quite normal and fine. But someone that was Christian that became an atheist, there feels like um, there's a different dynamic in that. Like, do you, do you think that that's fair as well? Have you recognized that to some degree? Or, or like, can you see like, you know, family members or those people in your old workplace or church or whatever? I mean, I'm assuming they have friends that are atheist and agnostic because you can't be in the UK without that, really. You can't come across that very easily. Um, and yet it feels like the, the treatment is very different when you're actually, you're not just, oh, I'm just an atheist. No, no, you're one of us who became an atheist. That's a very... There's a betrayal, there's a rejection. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something going on there that, that is different, it feels like. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think for those few Christians that I do still speak to who are happy to have deep conversations about this stuff, um, eventually, the more conversations you have, you begin to see how they've rationalized your disbelief. So they're not necessarily mm -hmm. listening to why you no longer believe. What they're doing is they are formulating opinions about what led you away from Christianity to kind of justify the fact that they do still believe almost or to make it less worrying you no longer believe because I think what happens a lot of the times people see Christians who've become non-believers or atheists or agnostics or whatever the person becomes um, as somebody who has found something that is potentially harmful to the culture and the society that they've said is the most important thing and therefore they're a threat so this person has become a threat because they are are very aware of what we believe how we live how we do things and are able to almost maybe bend that or say it in a way that's not true or propagate lies about us and therefore we need to protect ourselves and shut ourselves down and so you know there's a classic thing which is like you know sam left christianity because he read too, too many of the wrong books or he and um, didn't properly understand what god was or, or you know whatever sort of language that they, they, they want to use whereas when i was in in Christianity right. in the crowd, it was very much like Sam's very much up on his academics. He's very much aware of who God is. He's able to express God vibrantly. And it's all that. And it just completely shifts because people begin to kind of try and piece together a, like I said before, like, an, like a narrative that makes sense of the world around them. Like they're trying to go, yeah. well, I still believe God exists and Jesus is real, et cetera, et cetera. They don't. 
I fairly sh- I'm fairly sure that, I'm, that my beliefs are right, and we're all very much sure that our beliefs are right, by the way. Right. But they then go, well, this is why, and they almost kind of like put a mask down over your face and go, that's who you are. Great. Now, now I know how I can interact with you, rather than going, I've actually kind of leaving that mask off and actually being very much okay with exploring who somebody is. Uh, we're, we're too fearful to do that because. I think in, in so many areas of our lives, like it could be veganism or it could be um, how we treat um, LGBTQ people or how we interact with people at work. Um, it, there's so many things that could challenge the preconceptions that we currently hold. And actually we don't, yeah. we don't, yeah. we want to kind of have ourselves reinforced, um, which we do by putting masks on people. That's kind of maybe one of the ways we do it. Yeah, I, I, man, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like, uh, I think that's so huge. The, the narratives that we're telling ourselves and the stories that give us our meaning. Um, christians look at others and go oh yeah you know that's that's what you think you know but that's not the way it works but they're doing that that's what they're doing they're creating a story that helps them feel safe and secure and gives them some sort of grounded in place in this existence you know as we hurtle through space spinning at a ridiculous rate on a rock um you know it's like you don't don't think too much about that sort of shit right don't think about the fact that like there's more non-human uh biological material in your body than there is human material as we would kind of like break those two distinctions apart right we're basically made up of like microbes and bugs and all sorts of different things um don't think about that i don't want to think about the fact that it's actually a bunch of bacteria in my gut that's deciding what i'm going to eat for breakfast today (laughs) um you know that sort of stuff is terrifying so we create these kind of stories i am a phil i do this there is a god i know there's a god because the bible tells me and the bible i know is important because god wrote it um and it's like i didn't see at any point in that narrative that there's a weird kind of loop there that i created that doesn't need to be addressed um and 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 it is this thing of i can discredit an atheist who's lived in it as an atheist their whole life very easily oh they just don't know the truth they just haven't been exposed to jesus jesus hasn't met them you know they didn't read the bible they didn't grow up in the right circumstances with christian family but at some point god will reach them absolutely um but if i you know last week was praising sam and going look how much he reads he's so smart he's so intelligent he really is a great example of what um, a great teacher within christianity can be because he's so well studied and he knows how to put it so well he'll put those worldly people in their place all those academics that think they know everything well sam can answer because he's read a lot skip forward a week and suddenly it's like oh no he 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 was a bit deceived because he read too many worldly books and 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 literally nothing's changed except now i need to discredit you for my for that world story i've built to be safe um and it's so interesting or even like you mentioned like your parents and they're like oh well what you'll come back you know and so it's just for them to feel comfortable with the fact that maybe their son is going to burn in hell forever there's a narrative there of like, no, he's just doing a doubt thing. We, we all do that. In fact, he done it earlier, you know, when he went off and tried out drugs and sex and stuff. But he came back and he was going to be a pastor. And, oh, no, he, he's just, you know, he's just trying to figure himself out. But he'll get there. It'll be fine. And so we, we create these little, like, stories. But the worst thing in the world is something that messes with our story too much, right? And that's that's usually what kicks the, de- the deconstruction. But it doesn't for a lot of people. They, they fight and kick and scream and will do anything to hold on to their their story and i think that's what we see a lot with a lot of evangelicals and um fundamental um people as a whole not even christians or even religious people just fundamental black and white people they will do a lot of kicking and screaming to hold on to their story um it's just so fascinating to uh 
to see it play out, but it's very painful to see it play out as well. Like, you know, like it's, it's gaslighting, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, you, hi, this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I think. Well, no, it's not really though, is it? And you're like, oh, thank you for listening to my opinion. I so appreciate it, mom, or, you know, best friends. Like, thank you. I so feel valued and appreciated and listened to. Um, it's, it's, it's a really painful, hard process to go through. I, I wonder, um, how you mentioned, you know, your wife is still holding on to Christian values and it was very hard for a season, but you mentioned things are great now. Like, what did you find? Because I come across this a lot and there's not a lot out there for people that are going through this. Uh, I know Naked Pastor has a book, um, Till Doubt Do Us Part, which talks a bit about this. But generally speaking, a lot of people don't do this with their partner. Uh, it's, it's an amazing blessing that like, you know, blessing, there you go, another Christian word, but it's like amazing thing, just triggering everyone on the circle. Um, when, you know, you, you, you turn to your partner and go, I'm questioning everything. Like, oh, I'm really scared. I'm terrified to even talk to you about this. And they're like, oh, me too. I was scared to mention it, but yeah, awesome. Let's deconstruct everything and figure it out. Um, let's listen to Dirty Rotten Church Kids in the car on the way to work tomorrow. Or, you know, like, um, you know, suddenly that's amazing, the best thing ever. But I would say for the vast majority of people, even if it does occur that the partner deconstructs, it's not at the same time, at the same pace, you know, all these things. Um, and that can be terrifying, hard. I mean, we talk about how hard it is for family and friends to turn their back on this community but for that tension to exist in the closest relationship you have you've got kids you know there's this, this thing of like i said till death do us part and now we didn't even talk about beliefs in the, the vows there's no if you believe in the vows because that's not even on the table right it's not even on the table that you wouldn't be a christian there is only christianity in this vow section like and now you've taken it off the table i don't know what to do what does that mean um how did you go about navigating that? Like, you know, that must have been a really hard season for you to to figure out, gosh, like, I guess there's 110 different ways that this can play out. Like, how, how did you process that? And how did you kind of um, find a way to navigate this well? Is there kind of, what's your, what's your top five tips on like, you know, having a, <laughs> a Christian partner still or? Gosh. Um... It's, it's complicated. That's the number one tip, which isn't a tip at all. Um, it, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just, I think it's, it comes down to, again, the sort of facades that we're willing to put on people. And actually, if you're willing to look at your spouse in the eyes and accept them for who they are, and that's what it comes down to. Are you able to take off any mask that you might have accidentally, and we all do it, accidentally placed upon them and go, who are you and what do you believe? And it's okay if you don't believe the same things as me. And actually in that place of honesty, we can still work out how we're going to raise these two boys that we have together and, and how we, how we love each other and, and what love even is for us now. And, mm -hmm. um, why we live in Halifax, <laughs> like all these, all these sorts of big questions. Like it, it's, I mean, that, that for us has been the thing where we realize that the love and passion we feel for each other is deeper than the facades or belief structures that we hold. Um, mm. you know, I, I kind of, I find, I found that having kids has, has also been that sort of glue that's kind of helped us to go, no matter what these children end up becoming or doing in the future, I, I still, I might not like them, but I still love them. And I, I think I will still love them no matter what they do, which is, might sound really strange to a lot of people, which is fair enough, but um, it just seems to be something that's hardwired in me that I just love these boys no matter what they do. And I can talk to them about the things that I don't like and they might become something that I don't like, but um, I still love them. And it's that I can also apply that to the person that I said that I would be with until I die or they die. Um, as hard as it is now i'm not saying that you know people have to do that as that's completely shifting sure yeah absolutely but for us it's, it's very much become a case where 
my wife, Kirsty, she, she needed to understand that I wasn't going to become this like person that no longer wanted her, but wanted to sleep with loads of people. And she had to kind of process that. And I had to understand the sorts of questions that her going, oh shit, Sam doesn't believe. What does that mean for us? Like that was the big worry. And it was that case of, it, it isn't you, Kirsty. This isn't, I'm not, not a Christian anymore because of you. I'm not a Christian for these long list of reasons. Go, go read the blog posts. Um, like th this is why I'm not a Christian. Um, mm -hmm. I think for her, when she realized that it wasn't her, it was, these other reasons that she didn't have the answers to and, and it, it appears so far that nobody has the answers to um that she was like okay well we can now look at us and, and what does that mean um I mean, you know, and that was really hard that sort of tension of like you know there's a couple of months where it was what do we do together now how do we function um we were you know praying for the kids before they went to bed how do we shift that into a bit more of a healthy routine that's going to you know potentially include god but also include like mindfulness so we kind of do like headspace meditations for children it was great like mm. sesame street uh, monster meditation series that the kids love so they they do that now and like kirsty will pray for them if she wants to and i'm okay with that and it's being okay that those that you love don't have the same views as you and they still have the right to express their views i think that's really powerful yeah. because i mean this is something that i learned really really early on that when you become a agnostic or an atheist or a skeptic or whatever you feel a desire to start propagating your truths much like a religious person would want to propagate theirs like you feel yeah. like you need to become an evangelist for what you now believe to be true um, which is seems very natural but actually we're just reinforcing the stereotypes of religion by doing that we just become a, an anchor man or an anchor woman for something new and people aren't turned on by that that's not sexy or cool um and actually if we begin to realize that i don't need kirsty to subdue her religious expression but she can be who she is and i can love her still um i mean it's really hard to get to that place for a lot of people and some people never get to that place and that's okay as well i think it's, it's that individual um an individual's ability to to wrap these things around their life and if mm -hmm. things don't stick they don't stick and that's not because somebody's failed as well that's something that's really important like if, if you don't stay with a partner or you end up um you know having to kind of um you know, live separately and see your kids only occasionally or don't have kids because you're not sure if you can have kids now whatever it is like it isn't your fault um, like I, I say this all the time on my podcast and I think it's important for your listeners to hear it as well. Like I, I don't think we have the ability to decide what is or is not convincing us. Like if I said to your listener or, or yourself, Phil, can I kind of close your eyes and say to me, I believe in the Islamic hell. Like you, you just mm. won't be able to. Or I say to you, believe the moon's made of cheese. Like unless you've watched tons of Wallace and Gromit, you're just not going to be able to. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's that like we can't, you can't force belief on somebody. Force belief isn't belief, it's lying. You're just lying to yourself. And it's that... Mm my wife believes and uh, she can't force herself to not believe anymore but she's going to go on a journey with her belief and i'm going to go on a journey with my non-belief and maybe we'll meet somewhere in the middle maybe we'll always be separate and, and that's okay paths don't have to be like this they can be like this and they can be parallel but different and that's okay um for us at least and it's not really five tips but it's how it's worked no, no, i was i was joking for the most part of the i, I want to turn it into a blog post sam you know i want to um five ways to successfully keep your marriage alive as you deconstruct, you know, or yeah. <laughs> you won't believe number three. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that, I think that's so, so huge. And gosh, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen lots of uh, relationships, marriages, usually marriages, right? Because if you're a Christian, you don't really have the option for uh, uh, other types of relationships. Um, or yeah, well, if you were just a, a boyfriend, girlfriend in Christianity, you probably would break up and just move on probably realistically. Um, but generally speaking, there is something of people have spent this huge period of time investing in each other. They've committed, they, they, they have gone, I'm in this for the rest of my life. And suddenly this change comes upon us maybe suddenly, maybe very gradually, um, 
we go through is major change. And I think on some levels, you know, what you're talking about, that's the, the, the relationships that succeed, um, I've seen succeed, are the ones that can do that. The ones that can hold things loose and go, look, we don't have to agree on everything. Can we unite on some other stuff? And I think generally speaking, it is a bit like what you were saying earlier, you know, whether you go foraging or go join the hiking club or the photography club or something, just find something you gather around and, and do life from there because no one cares who's an atheist or a Christian at the photography club unless you're being an ass about it maybe, but like, you know, like it's not important. It's like, hey, what lenses do you use? Or how do you find the right composition? Like those are the kind of interesting compositions. And so can we go, oh, we don't bond over the fact that we are Christian and we go to church every Sunday and we go to prayer group every Monday and we are teaching our kids the Bible every day. And that's what brings us together. Now, a lot of people that is what brought their marriage together was, oh, you're the other Christian single in my group. <laughs> we're not that big a group and we're attracted to each other great we're getting married it's like you know like that, that's it like there's not too much thought beyond that because it's like well i want to have sex i'm not allowed to have sex you know and, and i'm not trying to trivialize a lot of uh, christian marriages but on some level there wasn't this kind of like oh we click on 110 different levels and we've got different things that we gather around no it's like we gather around being passionate christians and, and we both want to do ministry or we both you know love jesus and and we're passionate about that of course it will work um that core thing when it comes apart if you don't have oh yeah and we also love doing these activities together we love raising our kids with the best you know outcome or whatever and and can gather around some of those other components what i think is really hard though is as someone that's gone through a major religious shift change recognizing multiple views becomes a little easier i think you can still be really fundamental but it becomes a little easier because you've gone through such a change for someone that's still in that religious perspective being okay with that oh there's there's this a bit of plurality there's a bit of like well there's going to be disagreements and different views it's a lot easier on some level for the atheist to go okay sure she can teach her kids that noah's ark was real and you know there was a big flood and that god like you know kills babies and men and women and dogs and cats and camels but he saves some you know like sure because maybe that's a bit of trauma but we'll therapy through it and it'll be fine no big deal um it's a whole other deal for a christian parent to process they want to teach my kids there's no god and that there isn't a hell and that they're not going to go to hell but they will go to hell you know that's such a bigger uh navigation i don't mean to minimize your part in that, <laughs> that relationship uh, development but like it's incredible it really is when i when i see christians go through that um and be able to go okay my partner is agnostic or, or atheist or even progressive right he's just a progressive christian just telling my kids they can vote democrat um you know that's a big hurdle to to navigate and overcome and so i guess that i mean it speaks very highly of your your wife your wife's love for you and your kids and, and the, the the commitment to that relationship and and yeah her her capacity to see beyond herself i mean it is amazing um but yeah that's that's not an easy thing to navigate and i have seen many marriages go you know what we can't do it and and, and that's okay as well it really is and maybe it's the best decision for some marriages whether you've got kids whether you don't you know i mean I, there's not really any rules on when that's not the best decision it's it's you and you alone can really figure that out um but yeah gosh that must have been yeah quite a journey i can imagine it must have been something else it was intense for sure and yeah just to just to reflect on a point i think it's and it's this is the kind of with kids what do we teach them now sort of thing i think 
um, my wife, Kirsty's got this ability to understand. And she had this very quickly. I mean, she had this when I was still a Christian, when, when someone said to her, like, um, and, and, and what religion is your child? She's like, well, none. Like, he's, he's two or one. Like, how do you have a religion? <laughs> yeah. um, and I think because she has that mindset, she's very much aware that even if she were to do what my parents did and sit down and teach the Bible every single evening, which she's more than welcome to do, um, there is no guarantee that they are going to become a Christian or that they will stay a Christian. And she just looks at me and sees, like, how somebody can deconstruct yeah. that. So it doesn't really matter what you think you're going to say or you think you're going to do or how you're going to fix the situation to make it more more advantageous to your beliefs. Um, it, it isn't actually going to fix it if, if this person doesn't believe. Again, I don't think they have the choice to go, I now don't believe this. It's a, oh, shit, I don't believe this. Uh, it's, it's, that sort of, it's a realization rather than a decision a lot of the time. And it's that, um, yes, yeah, so I think Kirsty's kind of got that from very, very, a kind of like early point in our relationship that um even with our children and with us like it's um it is a journey and people will be in different stages of that journey a lot of the time and i think as well like i'm sorry i keep talking but i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going oh. this is you're you're the guest keep talking <laughs> stop me talking that's what the, the number one comment on my podcast is like phil shut up and let the guest speak so please you're doing me a favor <laughs> oh that's funny keep going uh, i think and this is kind of talking to the to the sort of like non-Christian now or the atheist or whatever. Is 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 that when you when you leave a religion, um, and I did this for a while, you attribute yourself to a new pastor almost, or a new church, or a new thing that becomes like a new god to you. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I kind of fell into very much like um, the, the the idea of scientism, where science will explain everything, um, but there isn't actually kind of like a way for science to even explain it itself completely like right. it even falls outside of its own camp which is which is a weird one but um i think it's it's when you realize that you just can't hold things with the same tension that you once thought that you could and i mean i've experienced this with the idea of um i mentioned my blog quite a lot of, of of rationality like what is rationality and how do we how do we process it and and also kind of what is consciousness and can we explore it mm -hmm. because it seems to be very different to anything i've ever been speaking about before and that's only within the last couple of years since i left christianity that i began to experience consciousness into a new way which i know that we're probably going to get onto shortly but um basically there are other pillars within life that you begin to realize um don't have the sort of hard atheistic cutoff points that people like to pretend they do um, and i think when you begin to realize there are big questions in the world that still need to have answers and don't have answers yet and it's it's not just a nice bubble when you go into atheism or you go into christianity there are still questions and, and, and pull points and tensions that you need to work through and and or and i think this is where i'm landing it's the or option realizing that you're never going to get to the bottom of and actually this life mm. is a destination it is a journey and it's about enjoying and experiencing and making the most of the journey whilst you have it because you never know if tomorrow you know if if to this morning is the last morning i'll ever have we just don't know it might be this afternoon something happens and i don't have another morning again so enjoy this morning right now and it's that it's that idea of yeah we, we keep trying to reach a destination or a point when we're happy or, or a place where we've got to the answer and actually we, we just don't we don't ever get there like i, I was looking forward I, I mentioned at the very beginning i don't know if we were recording them but you know i've just started our my my, my easter break i've got two weeks off now mm. and i've been really looking forward to this dreaming about it but now i'm in it it feels different to my anticipation of it and it's the, it's the same thing within sort of our religious or non-religious camps we anticipate what something's going to be like and when we get to it it isn't as fulfilling or as enjoyable as we thought yeah. it would be and the goalposts have moved i now need to have more followers on twitter i now need to be more active and i now need to do something to help myself fit within this community that i thought would provide answers that that is in a way but also isn't in other ways and the goalposts shift and then we try and work towards those new goals posts and if we get there 
they've shifted again. And it, it's, it, I think it very much is about kind of recognizing that. And this kind of links back to Kirsty that when, when, wherever we place ourselves, it's, it's the journey, it's, it's not the destination. And the goalposts are always somewhere in the distance and recognizing mm. that being able to pull yourself back and go, I'm not chasing that, I'm enjoying this. Uh, that is a really hard switch of, of kind of capacity. Um, yeah. Yeah, gosh, that's, I mean, that's huge. There's so many, so many different things we could touch on on that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's being present, isn't it? And I think um, there's very little of that in our culture. Um, it is very much a culture that, that ruminates over the past and regrets and woes and, you know, whatever else. Um, or it's constantly looking to the future to, to finally answer that question, finally fulfill what we, what we want. You know, finally, I'll make enough money. Finally, I'll get married. Finally, I'll be divorced. Finally, you know, whatever it is. Um, finally, I'll have kids. God, finally, my kids will grow up and leave. Um, you know, whatever it is. Um, we're, 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 we're putting off like the, the arrival. Um, I think this is one of the components of Christianity that um, is, is such a problem. It's not a Christian thing, actually. I think it's just that, that stage of development, which is very conventional, which is we have arrived. This is it. Uh, this is the thing um, the, it vilifies any progress, change, looking to some sort of new outlook, um, apart from maybe looking forward to an end time where all the bad people get swallowed up and we get rewarded and packed on the back and get some gold um, houses and stuff. There's not really uh, much of a, a looking to the future. It's, it's very much rooted in we want everything to stay the same. We have arrived. We've got the right beliefs. As long as nothing changes, we'll be fine. Um, and I do think that's an interesting development as people step out of that, learning to, to let go of that mentality. When you first start to deconstruct, you go, okay, well, what is the answer then? Because I need to arrive again. If that wasn't arrival, well, what is arrival? And we go, oh, it's atheism. Oh, it's agnosticism. Oh, it's well, agnosticism is probably a bit less because it's too ambiguous, right? Um, and and that's where I see people swing from fundamentalism to fundamentalism early on a lot of the time in their deconstruction because they're desperately looking for that answer, that yes, this is it, I've arrived. Um, and yet, long term, when we track long term deconstruction, the longer people have been deconstructing, the more likely they are to go, I don't know. Um, there's a much greater humility, even in something that can be quite fundamental, like atheism can often be just as fundamental as Christianity at times, because it'd be just as black and white and, evangel and evangelistic. Um, but generally speaking, people that have been deconstructed for a while, people have been in that position for a while, they start to loosen up. They go, yeah, no, I, I don't believe that there is a theistic being out there, like pulling all the strings and, and whatever. But I'm going to hold all that quite loosely, because I don't know that there isn't. Like, you know, I was just saying, I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, and, and it is an interesting path. Let, let's talk about consciousness, though, because I, I, I'm aware, you know, we've got a lot of time, actually. We're not too bad. Um, but I really want to dive into this. We talked about this on your podcast, and people will probably get a much uh, more in-depth uh, look at this. Although maybe now we're doing it a second time. Maybe we'll articulate it even better or something. I don't know. I, don't, I need as many takes as I can get um, articulating anything. But... You know, that's something that's really important to you and, and something that um, you've explored. And, and you mentioned that kind of as you, as often as you move into scientists, uh, scientific kind of uh, outlook, looking to science, looking to rationality, to reductionism, if we can just take it apart to the smallest part, we understand everything and we'll know this is why we're like this. This is why we do this. This is why the world is here like this and, and so on and so forth. Um, and consciousness seems to be the big 
the big gap. There's a lot that science can't answer, but most of it we go, ah, we'll figure it out, right? I don't know why that, uh, you know, some of the quantum mechanics stuff, but I feel like a lot of the quantum mechanics, if we just keep prodding for another hundred years, we'll have a pretty good answer, you know? Um, but consciousness is one of those, I mean, it is the hard problem. It really is. The, the, the nature of it is that science, by, by definition, cannot um, give an answer of consciousness because it is the observer. What is the observing? And as soon as you label it, you are not labeling consciousness. Your consciousness labeling. So, you know, it's like you keep, every time you try and point at it, you've, you've taken a step back and you're pointing at something else, um, a description of it, a, 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 an analogy, a metaphor. It's a very hard thing to talk about, even, you know, as we go into this conversation, it's we're, we're going to be talking in circles around something, but never really putting our finger on it because you can't put your finger on it. It's, it's, it's almost, it's an elusive uh, thing, consciousness. But Talk to me about your introduction to the, the, the kind of the concept of consciousness. Why why did you start getting interested in that? Because I know a lot of people that are in that reductionistic scientific place um, that even as they look at consciousness, they still are quite reductionistic and go, "Oh yeah, no, it's just it's just wires in the brain and it's fine. It's not a big problem. Don't 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 look too closely. Don't ask too many questions. Right? Kind of <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. But right now we don't have the answer, so don't don't go into any weird ideas. You know." Um, but I know you've gone into some weird ideas, you know, you're exploring beyond maybe just a reductionistic kind of approach to, to what is consciousness. Like, how did that journey begin for you? Wow, that's a great question. Um, it's the most exciting journey I've, I've ever been on, if I'm being completely honest with you. It's, um, yeah, every, every day I think about it, I go, well, how did this begin? And I think the, the, the truth is, um, I, when I first left Christianity, got very involved with like the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. All the four, four horsemen of new atheism and all the for Christianity. Um, we, you know, Daniel Dennett, Richard Dawkins, um, Christopher Hitchens, and Sam Harris. And um, been working through a lot of their books, kind of like just in order and just kind of reading stuff and, and, and understanding the sorts of things they're saying, um, all of which are really interesting, but I think don't actually aren't very deep diving in a lot of ways. Um, and ends up picking up Sam Harris's book called Waking Up, which is his, his idea of um, spirituality outside of religion. And I'd been playing with the idea of having a a prayer life without a praying so um yeah so i kind of like did random things like i try and pray to an object and see if i felt any differently by praying to it so i, I tried doing exactly the same things i would do if i was praying to jesus but praying to like a pair of socks in my backpack if i'm walking or praying to a chair that i know is in my office at home or whatever like praying to a random like arbitrary thing that's somewhere and seeing like, are my interactions changing in, in this situation and finding <clears throat> Sorry, I'm finding a lot of the time that they aren't. They've kind of the same sorts of feelings, oddly enough. Um, if you can kind of get past that, this is weird that I'm praying to a pair of socks. Anyway, <laughs> um, it ends up kind of like um, trying to begin looking at sort of mindfulness because realizing that actually a lot of this could be linked to um, the habitual patterns that our brain is laying down as we're experiencing something. So um, end up looking at like the headspace app, which I've already mentioned that we, we use for our kids now, but um, going through their kind of introduction to mindfulness and finding that I, and I advise your listener to try this, like set a time for 10 minutes, sit in a room and close your eyes, sit up as straight as you can and do not move for 10 minutes and just think about, or, or just see and see and experience what you're thinking and, and feeling. And it is one of the most agonizing experiences that I've ever, I've ever gone through. I've gone through some like horrific surgeries and stuff. Like I just felt like my, my, my was <laughs> on fire. I was like, time ago goes, I'm like, oh, thank goodness for that. That was awful. And it's, it's weird because we're making ourselves do something that we're not familiar with. And um, anyway, ends up reading this book by Sam Harris. And um, in it, he talks about 
um, the actual brain states that we can get through taking substances, which kind of correlates to how our minds function. Um, so things like DMT or uh, psilocybin, which is a compound uh, psilocybin, which kind of links within your brain. And is the both DMT and, and, and psilocybin are things that are naturally within, within your brain. You can take substances to enhance the effects of these things. And I found that really interesting. And he kind of said, you know, if people haven't taken these things, I almost feel sorry for them. Like, like he, he hopes his daughters like, won't do alcohol and tobacco, but will try these substances because it will push into a new area of their consciousness or their brain, which they haven't, haven't and, and can't fully experience, um, at least understand what it is until they experience it through these substances. At least that's his take, which I find interesting in itself. Um, anyway, ended up kind of using his app, waking up and, the way he talks about consciousness, which is the idea that um, you might very well believe that everything you're perceiving is coming from you. So you've got your face with your eyes and your brain and you're, I'm looking out at you at the moment, right? Well, I know, I know we're on Zoom, but I'm still looking at you on, 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 on the screen. And the things that Sam is seeing and experiencing, um, I, I rationally kind of put into my brain as this is it, this is what's going on. But then you need to kind of stop and go, like, I'm also aware that I have a back of my head. And then when you stop and realize that and go, am I in front of the back of my head, which might sound like a really crazy question, you begin to realize that consciousness, the thing that is experiencing the world, isn't in front of the back of your head. You are experiencing more than just here. You're experiencing so much more. Um, and your eyes trick you a lot of the time into believing that it's all very much a, a tangible objective reality you're experiencing. You begin to notice that um, consciousness itself, although it very, very much, and I would argue is linked to kind of your brain chemistry and your makeup. Um, but it's not, doesn't seem to just be related to that. It seems to be more and bigger than that. So basically that blew open an entire door into spirituality in, in a, like a non like classic spirituality sense. I know that's an, another trauma trigger word, so apologies, but, um, but yeah, kind of like exploring what spirituality looks like from a non kind of uh, religious framework. Like, can we, to look at um this sort of atheist buddhism um where there are many different forms of buddhism but there's like an atheistic form of buddhism which looks at meditation and mindfulness and experiencing consciousness in a way which says to you um most of the time you are wrapped up in your thoughts and feelings and very often a lot of people go through life without even realizing that there is a place behind their thoughts and feelings mm. which they emerge from and there is a then before that stuff and actually we begin to create this idea of i and identity and purpose and all these narratives and religion are basically constructs placed within your thoughts and feelings um and i know we mentioned this on, on, on my podcast but i think we need to go over the same ground because it's really important sure. and there seems to be this plate of consciousness which sits before you and if you look far enough back you can begin to experience it so something that kind of sam harris suggests in, in, in his app which is really powerful is kind of lifting up your hand pointing your index finger at yourself and going am I pointing at me? And it's a really disconcerting feeling because you begin to realize that you're not really pointing at you, you're pointing at an experience and an experience can't be you by definition. So it's, it, it just, you begin to ask questions around kind of like what, what makes up an I, what makes up identity? How do I function? Am I actually here? Like, you know, get into philosophy and all sorts, but it's, it's a really interesting way of beginning to try and process, um, the substrate that we seem to come from. Um, so yeah. I kind of, say this and I'll kind of let you come back with some questions or whatever. Um, but I, one of the places that I've landed in is, is, is the question, 
is consciousness a fundamental or a emergent property of our universe like is there something before our universe which seems to be like almost like a pillar of our universe could that be consciousness and there could be other pillars it could be a pillar of love or other sorts of pillars that seem to be outside of us and just naturally integrate um and there are arguments for why that could be the case um philip goff um and who's a kind of a quite a well-known person wrote um, a book called galileo's error and in that he kind of looks Mm. at um kind of well, Galileo and also kind of this idea of consciousness and he kind of explores explores um panpsychism um I believe that's how you pronounce it forgive me if I'm wrong it's that consciousness is everywhere and I wouldn't say that like a table has consciousness but I'm saying uh, the properties that make up a table could potentially have consciousness so whereas I like every atom within me could have consciousness but I wouldn't say that um you know every item as a whole as a unity like this this glass of half drunk water i would say probably doesn't have consciousness but the atoms that make it like how do we know that there isn't some sort of really strange conscious experience they're having um we we, mm. we and, and this is gonna sound crazy to people that haven't looked at it and it's i've gone very deep very quickly but um, essentially you begin to unravel the, the the these questions and realizing that um back to what i was saying before this isn't a destination like we, we aren't going to land an answer anytime soon we're going to be able to experience something um which then leads on to kind of psychedelics and and, and personal experience as well which I, we can get yeah. to yeah that's my introduction to why and and where yeah. i am so talk to me about um you know i could talk about this forever i absolutely love this topic but someone listened to this goes okay i hear what you're saying yeah okay great we have a consciousness you point at yourself like what am i pointing at great question but it's just neurons firing in the brain. Like you die, you're not conscious. You go to sleep, you're not conscious. You know, like people would, uh, and maybe very rightly so and very uh, articulately point to the fact that um, there's a lot of evidence that without the human brain, consciousness uh, very quickly dries up. Um, of course, there's some sort of bias in that as well. Um, you know, a very big bias in that we have a brain and therefore, you know, we can uh, filter all forms of consciousness go through that in a sense. Um, but what to you was unsatisfactory about the, the, the simple kind of explanation of like, well, the human brain, right? It's not panpsychism. Not every atom has kind of consciousness. And, and as we have become more developed, we, you know, we've built a framework in which we can experience that in a different and more evolved way than maybe like the carbon atom or something like that. But um, it's not that. It's it's just that we have evolved as a, as a species, as an animal, and we've got to the point where our brain is complex enough that it's gone, huh, I'm a me. I am. I'm, I'm witnessing, you know, the, there's parts of the brain that are, um, you know, experiencing multiple things at once. And one can witness what another part of the brain is doing at once. You, you have components of like split brain, um, you know, and so we, we can see this in, in different components. You can see people that, um, you know, have a stroke or something and they try and say something. They think one thing and they say a different thing. And it's almost like they're going, that's not what I thought, but I said it. So we can, we can see that the human brain is capable of like a, a a kind of multiple personality component or even like look at something like um schizophrenia um or multiple personalities and things like that you can see that the brain is capable of like these different components what of these kind of arguments that people would use to kind of come to a more reductionistic kind of like rational like this is just a brain um experiencing um what wasn't satisfying about that like because for a lot of people that is satisfying right a lot of people go i'm good that's that's great 
good answer. I'm completely fine. The problem of consciousness is, is done. We're, we're, we're good here. Yeah, I think a, a, a few things. The first one is we quite often conflate the idea of consciousness with um, cognition. So our ability to process, our ability to think, um, we believe um, more often than not is consciousness because we think they're intrinsically linked to our experiences, which they, they are to some level. But um, consciousness seems to be something different. It seems to be a property which um, is emergence. Like you can't point to a certain part of the brain and go, that is where consciousness comes from. Um, there was a famous example of the man with no brain. I forget what he, uh, what he was called precisely, but he was from France. And essentially he was born with very little brain matter and just kind of like a kind of webbing around the skull um, and, and a bit of a brainstem. And he seemed to still be able to live and experience a really interesting life, something that we wouldn't think was possible. Um, and it seems to be that he was functioning in a way um, physically, which made sense with his his disability, if, if I'm allowed to call it that, I'm not sure. Um, and, 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 and yet it experience things to a level which we were very very i say we like scientists were very very surprised at um and then so when we kind of get to this idea where cognition and consciousness don't seem to necessarily always be consistently linked we then begin to ask well, where, where are examples like you know can can a rock feel or experience something like or is it just a rock um and then you kind of go well okay so there, there is no way you can test whether a, a carbon right as you mentioned um, has an experience but you could begin to ask you know does a bat have an experience which again is a, a, a there's a very famous um, small book or a paper written by somebody called thomas nagel uh, which is um basically looking at this very question you know and so, something like what's it like to be a bat is the title of it and you can find it on google um and in that he's asking that, that there must be something that it is like to be something else um if they have some sort of brain or ability to process now, is that linked to that brain or is it linked to something that is a an, an, an emergent property due to um, the makeup and structure of that creature? Um, mm. And then you can kind of pull it further back. And there are um, examples of trees in North America. I forget precisely what, what, what the sort of tree is because um, not every tree does this. But there's, there's an example of a tree which sends enzymes and nutrients through the mycelium network linked to its roots, which is the network where mushrooms grow from, essentially, um, to trees that it knows are its offspring because of the different sorts of chemicals they're sending to and from itself. And they'll send warning signals if they're being attacked by a parasite or there are trees growing nearby that aren't its offspring. And they'll even make space by kind of changing their, 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 their root network and changing the way that they're growing and the direction they're growing to allow their, their offspring, essentially, to have room to grow and flourish. And we would very happily say that a tree doesn't have a brain but yet it seems to have some sort of experience or ability to interact with the world in a way that we would naturally link to a brain but isn't a brain so you know you, we're, we're currently growing um tomato plants with the boys and you know i can take them to one side of the room and then another side of the room and they'll know if they've been moved and they'll move themselves and they'll face the right direction um and you could kind of go well that's just the sun that's the cells speaking up it's turning the whole thing um, and yes there is something happening there but it's that question of is that just a biological process that is just this happens mm. x why is the output or is it actually something that goes on deeper and then the final kind of like thing that i'd say is is just personal experience so um you know without even going into kind of like the psychedelic element but before i ever, ever did anything like magic mushrooms or anything um i was beginning to experience that you can tune yourself down as in you can make the the thoughts and feelings um almost not disappear but, but but come to a point where you realize and you can witness them arising and you can realize there is a space prior to those thoughts and feelings which you then begin to go 
okay, well, is this space prior to them just a makeup chemistry of the brain or is it actually something that's more um, intrinsic to the experiences that or in, in, intrinsic to allowing us to have a brain that functions? Like, is it the brain and then is it consciousness or is it consciousness and then it's the brain? Um, and yeah, but basically began to realize that I could experience something which is not me in the typical sense of the word I that you'd use, like somebody who went for a run this morning is on a podcast, I feel right now, um, but is still there and still very, very present. And then you kind of add in the sort of on magic mushrooms and things. And um, you realize that this thing feels like it's completely accepting. It feels like it's completely okay with you as you are. And it, it, it's, it's, it's strange because I took, I took magic mushrooms to start off with to try and find God, like to actually try and find um, almost Aslan. So I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis and Narnia and the way that C.S. Lewis expresses Jesus through Aslan. Um, and I went into these woods um, after taking the substance and basically just tracked back and forth on this old deer, deer trail. And um, it's at the end of autumn. I remember like the red leaves on the floor and I was in this ravine and it was, it was beautiful. Um, and I was screaming out to God going, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And as the kind of substance started taking effect, um, I basically realized that the thing I was looking for is a construct made up at the later stage of me, of, 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 of this experiences that I have. And there began to be this opening to this thing before me that I began mm. to oh shit, what is that? Properly, like I'd experienced it a few times in meditation, but it's very hard to put your finger on it until the door gets kicked in, which something like psilocybin will do, which is the substance in magic mushrooms, uh, for those who don't know. So um, yeah, basically I experienced this thing, which was not God, I, as far as I'm aware, like, I know that I'm talking to a few people who would say that it is God on my podcast soon, but for me, it was not God, but it, what it was, was a place where I realized that death isn't something to be afraid of. Like there's mm. something deeper, more tangible within all of us and within nature that I connected with in that moment, um, which I, you know, I, I mentioned, I don't think it's God, but I feel like there is something going on within this entire world, which is not accessible to science it's not accessible to you know humans in, in, in any um obvious sense because you can go through your entire life and not experience it yeah and do is you can begin to go oh okay well there's there's this thing here which i can now ignore and i can go that's great don't care about it and that's absolutely fine you're more than welcome to do that or you can begin to ask a question the hard questions which is what is this how am i interacting with it when's it happening in my life and i'm not aware of it because it will be happening in your life but you're just not yeah. aware um, and you can begin to go okay how can i look at this place of consciousness and although as you've already mentioned you won't be able to touch it necessarily <clears throat> you, you can begin to look at it and go okay well how do i get as close to it as i can how do i get, begin to start experiencing it more effectively and realizing that everything that comes from it is what i think is me is my life is my relationship is my religion is everything um, and if everything's coming from this is this just my brain state my, my typical like neurons not firing brain state or neurons just kind of in the background or is it something else and it feels like it's something else and it feels like mm. you know, Alec harris has a book consciousness which i, I think is on your bookshelf you mentioned last yep. time we spoke um, and she talks very much about how scientists hate this conversation. They absolutely hate it because you, you can't pin it down. Like that tent I mentioned before, there's no way to peg it down. You're just stuck and confused. Um, and she's saying we need to be allowed to start asking these questions like, is, pan, is panpsychism a thing? I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it, it seems like it could be if yeah. we begin to look at the world in this way. And until we open ourselves up to not be humiliated by asking these, these non-scientific questions, um, we're not going to be able to start getting down to the question of actually dealing with what consciousness is. Because, um, I mean, the, 
where it's at a stop. But one more thing, like the way that our brains throw signals to us is so bizarre. So, you know, I play the guitar and the bass and stuff, and um, I might be reading some sort of tab or some sort of music. I've got my fingers going on the bass and I'm kind of there, like, you know, strumming along or, or like walking up and down some sort of blues bass line or whatever. Um, and my reading this hand, this hand, and what I'm hearing are all having signals inputted at different times. But my brain takes those, compresses them, and relays it to me in real time. It's the same thing if you're running and you're running along and you're kind of experiencing something and then um, you think everything's happening at the same time and it's not it's they're all actually disjointed and um, but your brain's allowing you to kind of comprehend them and push those things together yeah, um, yeah. and it's just it's just the awareness that our brain isn't necessarily the nice tight little box we think it is it's a fantastic processing like power plant of of so much but um is it is are we saying that is it and it's all in this box yeah. um i mean i'm not saying as an afterlife i'm not saying as a god i'm not saying all that sort of stuff what i'm saying is um can we begin to ask questions that sound religious in their makeup um, might point to something deeper than we thought was the foundation of the universe in this world um, and actually allow us to begin having conversations which um, and this is why a lot of christians and atheists don't like me very much and um, because I'm, I'm not just going hey atheism's true we should just stick it in this camp i'm going how how can we begin to ask the right questions to get to mm -hmm. answers which might help us um, be able to deal with things like mental health more effectively like the fact that taking psilocybin or dmt is known to reduce depression and suicide rates drastically i mean hopefully in the next 30 40 years we'll start seeing some of these trials really kick off or things might even become legalized at some point because it seems to be extremely effective at helping people deal with trauma and um yeah there's there's so much to explore and talk about but yeah there you go yeah oh god that's that's a lot of different um directions to to look at that but i mean even at the end there you're talking about you know playing the guitar and you know these things all technically on a very scientific level if we break it down there's there's i don't know the distances of time they're so minute but they are happening at different times and our brain can tell that they're happening at different times we can see this in scans oh that's it picking up the hear the 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 sound that's it feeling the 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 vibration of that string as it plucks it you know and we can see that all those things are happening at at different times minutely and then there's a part of the brain that just goes all right we'll make sure that happens at exactly the same time for his experience because otherwise sam's gonna have a freaking existential crisis you know if he doesn't think that that sound comes from his finger or you know like he needs to know that that came from that finger touching this thing because he read this thing and it all just happened just right at the time then sam will feel safe grounded part of this universe he's not going to suddenly realize oh my god there's like a whole bunch of different parts of me and they're all kind of working together but they're all separate and that's terrifying what do you mean this is like 18 different parts of my brain and you know like they all have their own agenda or i don't know you know like just a, an existential crisis could occur at some point um and, and it just shows that i think for a lot of us i mean i know for me growing up i never even questioned something like this i didn't even know about consciousness really you know maybe heard of like good conscience and bad conscience or something i get like maybe confused with that or something you know I, I i was not aware of this conversation and only for myself as well in the process of starting to meditate was i was like oh this is kind of what they're talking about okay interesting but to be honest with you i still had no idea what the hell i was talking about and um and, and like you said, there's a danger of this sudden elitism once you've taken some psilocybin where you're like, nobody, not, if you haven't done this, right? But like, like if you haven't done this, you have no idea. Um, and I think that's a very elitist and, and, and incorrect position a lot of the time. I think sometimes some people do need to have a very severe experience, a kick down of the door and go, whoa, that's what's going on. Um, but I mean, clearly people have been doing this for thousands of years and many of them have not 
had access to or used um, different uh, medicinal aids. Um, but there is something about it for me that when I took um, psilocybin, I had the experience of going, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, I get what I was trying there when I meditated. I get what I was trying when I tried some breathing exercises or some kundalini yoga or whatever. I can see, and I even tasted some of this, but my gosh, that is not it. You know, like, there's so much more. But what's interesting is then on the other side, I go back into some breathing exercise. I go back into the concept. And that, that is suddenly so much more accessible to me. I, I, it's, it's fascinating what that did of like, if it broke down my ego, if it opened up and even just being aware, knowing what you're looking for, you know, it's like, I don't know, you don't know how many red Hondas there are on the road until you want to buy one. And then suddenly you're like, bloody hell, everyone's got a red Honda. I don't want a red Honda anymore or whatever, you know, you just see them everywhere. And so there's this awareness of like, oh, that's what it's like to be awareness, to observe. And suddenly you become aware of it much more during your day and you're like, oh, hi, okay. And then it's gone, it's, it's, you've lost it again. Um, but it is, it is an interesting component, this, this um, tendency to conflate cognition with consciousness. The, 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 you know, a lot of people, they look at consciousness as like not thinking or, or maybe even thinking about the right thing. Um, but it's not either really. Consciousness is just that which sees your thinking. It doesn't even have a thought necessarily about the thinking. That's then just something else to be observed. Um, and so like, you know, this is, it's just literally the one that watches that, whatever, you know, even just saying that it's like, well, what, what does that mean? What's the one, you know, we could start tearing it apart over and over again and again, but it is intriguing that there is a component that is aware that watches that if you put someone on psilocybin enough a, a strong enough dosage certainly as well as there's, there's different components of how psilocybin affects different people and in the right context and settings and um, all kinds of different things um, which is why I'd always suggest if anyone is thinking is something like that they, they, they're very intentional about how they go about these kind of things as well um, generally speaking, someone that takes a whole bunch of LSD or magic mushrooms at a party is probably not going to have a particularly um, similar experience to someone that's off in the woods trying to find gods or, you know, sitting in a room meditating and taking psychedelics. Those are going to be very different experiences. Um, but there some, does seem to be something about those experiences when, when you um, take psilocybin, maybe a near-death experience. It seems to be quite common that people have these kind of things. Maybe even, you know, there's so many stories and the things that I find so intriguing are the stories of people that die and they were dead and they were dead long enough that there was no brain activity. You know, the doctors are like, there's definitely no brain activity. Like starting to question, should we be bringing this person back? It's getting to that cusp point, you know? Um, and they come back and then they describe, I mean, there's amazing stories. There's a whole bunch out there. Um, of people that can describe exactly what was happening, who was in the room, someone came in the room and they said this and their brain was done. Um, and I don't wanna jump on anecdotal, oh, that one thing therefore proves everything. But these kind of stories blow my mind because they do start to point to, oh, there's something beyond. And what's interesting is that is the one that witnesses. It wasn't scared that like Greg was dying. It wasn't worried. That, that, that there would be no Greg. It just watched, Greg is dying. That person is in the room. They just said this. And it's just, 
watching. It's just interested. It's just observing. And and I know for me in my psychedelic trips, it's the same thing. It's it's um, it's an observation of Phil and Phil's experience and what Phil is experiencing and doing and seeing and touching and feeling. But it's it's almost um, an aloof, bemused kind of observer. Um, and, and that's a very um, surreal kind of thing. I'm trying to get in the head of my old Christian self that had no interest in consciousness and no awareness of it. And I'd be like, well, that just sounds terrible or it sounds demonic or whatever. Um, but once it's experienced, that's, it's, it's something that you can tap into. You know, it's something that to, to be able to be going through a terrible situation, to be able to be having a bad day and be able to then go, okay, hold on, let me take a step back and then go, oh yeah, there's Phil. He's having a bad day. That's interesting. I guess Phil has bad days sometimes. Generally speaking, doesn't mean he's having a bad life. He'll be fine. Interesting. You know, it, 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 not even thinking a lot of those processes, but just observing and it allows myself to come back and go, oh yeah, I'm not even having a bad day. I'm having a bad moment. I'm probably planning on turning it into a bad day because I'm going to plan to think about that moment all day and ruin everyone's day while I'm at it. Um, but there's this capacity to kind of step between those two modes of being, the, the one that sits and thinks and, and, and processes and thinks it's a, a fill uh, and is doing this whole thing, but the one that watches that go down um, and is just kind of along for the ride, just watching. Um, it, it's such a surreal thing to be able to suddenly introduce into your life, but it's such a profound thing to be able to introduce. And you can, once you've experienced that, you can start to see, gosh, I can see how this has helped me with anxiety or with moments of depression, um, chronic pain. You know, both of us have lived with different types of pain before, um, but it's profoundly um, useful. I know the Headspace app has a really helpful module on pain. And what they do is they just get you to sit and they go, all right, go, and you put your eyes closed and it's like, where is your pain? And I'm like, okay, in my hands. Okay, great. It's like, where about in your hands? You go, oh, right there, or just below the thumb. And you go, okay, just, just watch it. Like, okay, yeah, it's there. And you go, oh, it's not below the thumb. It's kind of moving. Interesting. And I'm like, oh, my pain moves. It's not always in the same place. Or, you know, oh, what shape is it? Or what color is it? And I just get you to watch it. But what's interesting is after you do that for 20 minutes, you come out, I'm not in pain anymore. Like, I am in pain. I am not in pain. The one that watches is not in pain. It never was in pain for those entire 20 minutes. It just watched Phil be in pain and actually was quite, hmm, oh, interesting. Pain is interesting. Look at it. Look at the size of it. Look at the shape of it. Look at where it is. That doesn't suffer, the one that watches. And so it's this fascinating components at play here when you can tap into this. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just rambling. I'm just thinking out loud because you've sparked so many thoughts. It's just so intriguing. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's problematic for a very reductionistic kind of way of looking at things. Cause we, we can't, it's like describe what, I don't know, describe God. And you start to go, well, God's a, uh, a guy uh, wrong. Like God exists long before there was any concept of gender. Um, oh, uh, he, it, uh, uh mm, it, that's a bit too, you know, it's, you can see it, you can observe it, you can point to it. Like, well, what's, what's pointing to God, if it, God is an it, what's, what's outside of God? No, nah, that's not going to work. And see, as soon as you start describing like something that you believe is like in and beyond everything, you, you fall apart. And it's the same with consciousness, isn't it? It's, it's like, as soon as you start describing it, 
it's just going to fall apart again and again and again. Um, yeah, it's so fascinating. So what has this done? You know, you talk about spirituality beyond religion. Um, talk to me about that. Describe what do you mean by spirituality then? Like what does spirituality mean to you? Because for most people, um, the word spirituality is religion. You know, it, it's, it's very hard for them to kind of um, separate those. And yeah, so what does that look like for you? And how does consciousness and awareness of consciousness kind of play into that for you? Yeah, that's great. I think it's it's helpful to define where I think religion fits in the picture as well. And then spirituality might make more sense. It's the, uh, uh, a religion is, as far as I'm aware, a, a set of beliefs or doctrines about a, a certain being or group of beings, depending on which the religion is. And um, most of them are, are book bound. Most of them are um, kind of um, taught and propagated out. And there are a set of truths that you need to adhere to, to be in or if you fail to do certain things, you will be out. So uh, a religion seems to be this construct that we have created, whereas spirituality, um, the way that I frame it, is much more about you as an individual and those that you love and, and, and interact with and how you will come across in that. I mean, I kind of talk about this in the podcast as well. There's this idea that no matter what you do in life, it's only ever accessible through you. So mm. you, for instance, someone dies that's close to you, um, you, you are mourning them, but if you actually begin to deconstruct that you'll realize that what you're mourning is your interaction with them or your hopes of future interaction with them or some event you thought would happen which have would have an impact on you it's actually it's actually impossible to get outside of the selfish step forwards that, that we think we do often and, and we really don't like we don't have kids to have kids we have kids because we think it's going to we think we're going to be able to impart something or they're going to be happy and we're going to be able to take part in that imagined state um, it, like our entire lives are selfish like you literally can't get out of it it's, it's a strange one so I, I kind of view spirituality as an exploration of that selfish state which in which we find ourselves and i trying to also not have selfish be a, a negative term because if you can't get outside of it you didn't have a choice and it's not yeah. there it's not negative right um so basically it's that it's that idea that spirituality is enabling you in that selfish position to be able to begin to explore um what it is that gives you peace or meaning or purpose or direction or kind of seals some of those pains off and allows you to feel okay again so um, for me, meditation, and, and you've already mentioned this a few times, so I kind of just touched on, on how I view spirituality today. So, I mean, I wake up at 5 a.m. most days, and I'm pretty crazy. Um, and I will, because um, it's only it's the only time before the kids wake up that I get to myself. Um, but basically, what I'll do is I will do a, a, like a 20-minute yoga, and then I'll do like a 20-minute meditation. Um, and, and in that time, I'm not trying to connect to something like a god or anything. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to quieten my mind and quieten my panics and fears of the day and quieten all the things that I am going to be experiencing and go, okay, so right now I am consistently experiencing X, Y, or Z. And it's, it's realizing that meditation isn't necessarily about becoming something. It's about realizing that you are something that is consistently distracted. So most of the time meditation, I'm, I'm being reminded by someone prompting me who's maybe this might be a guided meditation session or something. And they're going, what were you just thinking about? I'm like, oh shit, for the last 20 minutes, I've just been thinking this is, I'm failing again. And you need to realize that that isn't failure. That is what meditation mm -hmm. is. Meditation is becoming distracted and lost in thought, 
hopefully at some point it could be like weeks that you don't even realize this whilst you're meditating but um realizing at some point you are lost in thought and then watching that thought unravel seeing where it goes where does it disappear to and then eventually you'll be able to begin starting thoughts arising as well um, and it's almost like you're being uh, it's, it's, it's almost like there's this shore that you can glimpse and you can watch the waves come up and go down and come up and go down and sometimes you, you're out at sea and you're lost in the waves and sometimes you're paddling on the shore and sometimes you're able to actually sit on the shore which is what i think psilocybin allows you to do and witness those waves coming up and down and up and down up and down um so spirituality is for me it's the ability to where possible um, sit on the shore and experience the waves and see them for what they are um, and you know you you know some days are great where you can do that and you know I, I, for instance i took the car to get to get mot this morning so i drove down um, and then just in the car i had this moment of remembering that i am uh, lost in thought and actually going oh i'm lost in thought and right now i'm thinking about the podcast and we're recording an hour or whatever and, and actually being able to bring myself back and then it was gone it, it, it vanished again i was lost in thought once more um, and spirituality is about yeah, recognizing that you are consistently lost in thought um, and that that's okay. You're not trying to not to be lost in thought. You're trying to recognize that that's just what we as humans are all the time. Yeah. And allowing yourself to get to the place where you can be on the beach, which um, you mentioned it and I mentioned it as well. I think a lot of people do land on the beach without knowing it in various elements of their life. Um, and what psilocybin or other substances can do is they can put you on the beach without any control mm -hmm. over it you are just placed there and it is an uncomfortable place to be to lose your ego to lose your sense of self um and in that place you know it's gonna be very scary and very hard but you can then begin to realize that you have access to that place once you come back down off this this experience um you 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 know what it's like to sit on the beach then properly and you can begin to sit on the beach more freely and regularly because you know what you're looking for you kind of you can see mm. that on print in the sand and you know where it is you can go okay that's somewhere that i can get to um, and you know you're still on the beach like you can't actually get past it or through it or anything there's still this kind of thing that we're having to construct to make sense of what consciousness is but um that's the best way i can explain what spirituality is um which i know pisses a lot of my atheist fans off so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there is a, a component of living beyond if you if you keep moving forward you're gonna upset wherever you've been um because people like to think they've arrived they like to think this is it um, and especially something like being lost in our thoughts and our constructs and our meaning, our ego, who I am, just associating who, who is, who is Sam, who is Phil. Um, I'm always aware, like awareness is happening. It is right. So, so that thing that watches is happening all the time, you know, and I think this is what, um, you know, the, you know, the great spiritual teachers are talking about when they, when people are talking about how do I become enlightened? How do I wake up? You know, it's like, you are, you are enlightened. You are woken up. You just need to notice it. <laughs> um, but like at all times, I'm aware, I'm talking, I'm aware of that. I'm hearing something. I'm aware of that. Um, but I'm too busy caught up to really be aware of that. I, that's just happening back there. I'm not being that. I'm being this right now, which is caught up in the fun of the podcast and I'm thinking and I'm so distracted by like, oh, you just said that. Maybe I should say this or, oh gosh, well, that's going to be good. But I need to come up with another question because I haven't got a question yet. Like, you know, like I, I'm too caught in this to just observe. And I think that's a good thing. I think it creates better content sometimes, right? <laughs> to have a great back and forth and, and be lost in the moment is, is, is wonderful. Um, but there is... Um, there is something about psychedelics that just goes, all right, let's put Phil on pause. Phil's just going to like, just not exist for about six hours. And that's, 
fucking terrifying. Absolutely horrific. Like when people talk about ego death, which which isn't always going to happen when you're on psychedelics, but um, generally speaking, you take enough, you're going to have some form of ego death, and it's gonna it's gonna be uncomfortable uh, at best. Uncomfortable. Um, it, it, on a whole nother level, it could be utterly terrifying and and really really not a fun process. What's funny is I've had three experiences where it's not been fun for me, and yet I have never regretted it and by the end of that trip i'm like that was the best thing that could possibly have happened to me it's helped me it's helped me develop it's helped me grow it's helped me deal with fear of death it's helped me become a bit more um uh equanimous about life and, and just yeah just uh whatever it is but there's something about that like let's just rip this equation and just be like let's just learn to do this for a little while no going back because i think the thing with meditation a lot of the time when I was engaging with medication, meditation, meditation, <laughs> meditation, um, when I got there, I think my ego got a little scared and would quickly backtrack as well. I think the ego doesn't like recognizing that it's not all there is. And I think there's some protection mechanisms for us in that, um, that, that will quickly rip ourselves out of the, the I am that is something beyond just this one ego that I have here. And I think psychedelics remove the ego's defense mechanisms as well. Um, because whether you like it or not, once you've taken a substance that's going to last six hours, it's going to last six hours. So you can fight it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. But at a certain point, you go, all right, let's just see where this goes. <laughs> because this is, I'm, I'm here, right? I'm not going anywhere for a few more hours. Um, and so there is something quite um, profound. It feels like... The, feels yeah like you're just carried away by by a wave or something you very much are just participating in something you're not you're not steering it you're not making it happen you just are watching it go down people that um maybe the more kind of sh shamanic traditions and people that uh, you know do things like ayahuasca and, and mushrooms in a more kind of uh, shamanic approach they talk about the mushrooms being our teacher and the mushrooms taken is where we're going to go ayahuasca will lead us um and whether you give, you know, ayahuasca a whole personality and a, and a driver or whatever, or whether that's maybe just some anthropomorphization or whatever, there does, it does feel to be something of that, of, of a, you let go and allow something take over um, that I don't think we are prone to let ourselves do very often, generally speaking. Um, and yet once you've done that, once you have had that experience, it does feel safer to do. It feels you're more open to go, yeah, I could do that. I could just let go and let things kind of take over. Um, I'm aware we're running out of time, Sam. Uh, so um, this has been really, really fun, really good. Um, and I, I think we've said things in this that we maybe didn't touch on on your podcast, but there's a lot that we talked about on your podcast that, that goes into a whole nother le level of depth as well. Um, and so if people are really loving this, um, maybe we'll have you back on and we can talk about this even more. But um, I would encourage people to check out um, the podcast that I did with with you that may or may not be up by the time this comes out we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out uh, if it's up it'll be in the show notes and if it's not keep an eye out for it um, but the link to your podcast will be in the show notes how can people connect with you like give us some links Instagram Twitter podcast I'm, I'm on everything um, so if you if you search for a podcast called When Belief Dies um, so literally on Instagram Twitter Facebook um, most major podcast apps the website is whenbeliefdies.com um, I'll make sure you've got a link for uh, for my link tree so people can find me wherever they're online Perfect. as well yeah um, yeah it'd be great to see people over there but um, as, as always mate it's just really good to chat with stuff through and I think um, just to kind of finish on for the listener 
um, I think it's really, really helpful for people to realize that this, th th this stuff, when, when people take drugs and where we're talking about drugs here, people often think that people are just trying to be naughty or just trying to do something that's a bit rebellious and a bit different and trying mm -hmm. to find the next thing. And actually, um, this really isn't that. Like, if I wanted something rebellious, I'd do cocaine or I'd do something else, which I just <laughs> completely fuck me over. Like, this... Yeah isn't a trip in the classic i'm going to go for a trip with the lads this will be fun um this is a journey it's it's as i've mentioned before we're not trying to get to a destination trying to feel like i'm feeling really good in the in, like we're in the club like dancing around like like eat up or anything like i'm trying to go on a journey of discovery and actually try and connect more with something that seems to be fundamentally within all of us um, and and also to say like maybe consciousness is just within us and when we die that is the end of it um but what this does is it, and this is why it's so powerful for depression, um, which I suffer with, and and for people who, have, who are kind of are coming to near the end of their lives, so cancer patients, maybe stage four cancer patients, going through stuff. What this can do is enable people to realise that there is nothing to fear, because when they see themselves, their ego die, they realise it is okay. And that is, for me, the, the biggest thing that we could possibly be talking about here is that ability to allow people who are struggling to to not struggle in their final moments, which I think is. Like we, we have to make that become a legal thing, like surely. So anyway, that, that's it. And it's as always amazing to talk to you. And yeah, I, I hope we can continue the conversation um, at a future time, mate. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, we will. And I'm, I'm excited if we get to hang out at some point once uh, once the UK kind of gets a bit more of its act together and we actually can see other human beings. I had, a, I had people around the garden last night for the first time in like, I don't know, like six months or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Freezing in the garden, but like, it's so good. Um, so yeah, no, we'll, 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 I'm so excited to have these conversations in person as well. It's going to be really fun. But yeah, no, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. And I think um, if you have reservations about this thing, if you're, if you're terrified about it, you've been doing fine so far. Maybe you haven't been doing fine. And maybe this is like, opening some doors of going, maybe I should explore some of those things. But there are so many different avenues to explore beyond using psychedelics. Like we mentioned, there's different types of yoga, different meditation um, things. There's so many great meditation apps, the Waking Up app, Headspace, different things that are really great ways to engage with it. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no need to go any direction you don't want to go um, to explore this. Um, and yet it, it can be a profound experience for those that, that want to do it. I know for me, it was always a spiritual pursuit. Like it was, it, I saw it as a tool, much like I would have uh, as a Christian gone, oh, well, yeah, like if I want to really know this, I'm going to have to really study my Bible or I'm going to have to go to Bible college or, or something like, you know, with this, I, when I start to realize, gosh, there's more going on as something consciousness, this is awareness. I want to be engaging with that. I want to explore something of, of what spirituality could look like. I'm like, well, if this isn't a major tool that most, you know, religions throughout the world have engaged with in one way, shape or another at one point in time, that even a lot of prominent atheists are going, yeah, this is a really huge tool and letting us kind of understand this. I'm like, I'd be crazy not to at least consider this tool and, and look at it as a tool rather than, yeah, like a party drug or something. I have no interest in that. I'm, I'm too lame. I was so scared to do psychedelics because I'm so lame. I'm like, oh no, I, I, don't, I don't like drugs. I'm scared of drugs. I don't even drink much. Like I really don't. I'm not, uh, I'm not big into drinking or anything that alters one's, uh, one's kind of uh, behavior. Or anything. I, I don't like being out of control, which is really funny for someone that takes psychedelics. Um, but yeah, so um, absolutely. It, it, everything we've said, you know, have a pinch of salt with it. Um, but Sam, thank you so much, uh, so much, just what an amazing journey, so much wisdom in that as well. And, and so, so much to resonate with for so many people, I'm sure. And, and your, your exploration of consciousness has, has just been so, um, inspiring and, 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 
um, and you've got so much to share in that. And I'm excited to see where that continues to take you and, and, and continue to talk about that as well, because it's, like you said, it's just an ongoing journey. And so um, that's wonderful. I appreciate it, mate. Really good to have you on. Thanks, dude. Cheers. All right. Love you, man. Catch you later, yeah? yeah? Bye. Peace. All right. So that was Sam Devis. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, I loved it. I love talking with Sam. I've, I've talked with him several times on this podcast now. Um, he did ask me to mention to you that the episodes that we mention on this podcast haven't come out on his show yet. So you need to keep an eye out. They're going to be episode 48 and we're going to talk about Spiral Dynamics. And then episode 55, we're going to look at consciousness um, in a much greater depth than we did on this episode. And so keep an eye out for that. It's the When Belief Dies podcast. Um, I, I really love what Sam's doing. I think it's great. He's got a blog as well. You can check out all of that stuff on his link tree. So um, that's linktr.ee slash when believe dies. And we'll put that on the show notes so you can find that in the, in the links below. Um, I don't know if you can hear this dog barking like insanely outside um, right now, slightly putting me off. But yeah, that was Sam. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, shoot him a message. Let him know that you love this conversation, that you appreciated this conversation. That always um, means a great deal to me when I hear positive feedback and, and, and nice things about something I've done on another podcast or something like that. Meet new people. That's always lovely. And so I'm sure he would appreciate um, if you really got something out of this podcast or enjoyed it. Shoot him a message and let him know. I, I'm sure he would uh, love to hear from you. Um, as I said at the beginning, check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. And if you want to support what I'm doing, you can do that at patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. It'd be great to have you in our private discussion group and, and on our regular Zoom calls and video, uh, video and audio calls that we do. Um, it would be lovely to connect um, a bit more intimately um, than I can. As always, if you uh, want to talk, I'm here on Instagram. Just shoot me a message anytime and we can chat. Um, you, you do not need to go through this journey of deconstruction alone. All right. I love you all. I'll catch you later. Peace.